Well, good morning. Great to see you today. A special welcome to those of you who might be visiting us here today for the very first time. Uh, If that's you this morning, we would love to invite you after the service. If you go into the foyer, uh, there's a big circle on the wall that says, I'm new, and beneath it there's a desk uh, with some gifts on it. We would love to give you one, and it would also be our chance just to say hi to you and hear a little bit about you. And if you have any questions, it would be our chance maybe to help you answer those as well. Uh, Welcome to those of you who are joining us online, whether you're watching live here on Sunday morning or later on during the weekend or, or into the week as well. It's great to have you with us. Some of you last week wanted, were complaining about the heat on Sunday morning. Well, you got your prayers answered So uh, on this rainy day. I want to start today with a little bit of a parable. I made it up, so bear with me, but I hope it'll get its point across. There once was a man who recently started to save for retirement. He figured this would be a wise thing to do, and it is. And so he started each week when he got paid to take a little bit of money from his paycheck, and he gave it to a certain financial manager in hopes that when he retired, there would be a little bit of money for him to live off of into those years. So one day, uh, he decided to pop in and visit his financial manager because he lived in the same neighborhood as this man. So on his way home from work, he decided to drop in and visit him unannounced. So he popped in by his house, and good news, his financial manager just happened to be coming home from work himself and was in the driveway unloading large plastic garbage bags out of the back of his vehicle and taking them into his home. So the man went over, reintroduced himself, they got visiting, and finally got the courage to ask, what is in all of those black plastic garbage bags that you are lugging into your house? And the investment manager's face lit up. He said, I'm glad you asked. He said, inside of these bags are used Tim Hortons coffee cups, used Tim Hortons coffee cups. In fact, he said, I went down to the COVID testing site today and emptied all of these ones out of the garbage can. They're fresh. And he said, I've collect them. And he opened up the bag and sure enough, inside of each of the plastic garbage bags were hundreds and hundreds of used Tim Hortons coffee cups. And then he said, come on inside, I'll show you my collection. So the investment manager led the man into his house, and he went in, and he noticed right away off to the side his kitchen, where he'd recently gotten rid of his fridge and his stove. And instead, he'd installed shelving units where he was going to store these newly collected, used coffee cups. The man walked into his house and was starting to feel very uncomfortable. He looked over on the wall and saw a picture of a lady and him and some children. He said, oh, is this your family? He said, yes, this is my wife and kids. He looked around the house. He did not see them. He said, well, where are they? And the man said, well, my wife told me one day after many months of frustration that it's either me or the coffee cups. And he said, now that they're gone, um, I have lots of room to store more coffee cups in my house. Well, the gentleman decided it's time to go. He snuck out of the house, got back into his car, and started driving home. And he started to have this sinking feeling in his stomach about the person that he had chosen to manage his little bit of retirement savings. 
his stomach started to feel sick, and his confidence level in this manager started to plummet. And why would that be? Why would that be? If you were the person dropping by your financial advisor and you saw them collecting used coffee cups, seeing these as the most valuable things in life, treasuring something that was meant to be discarded and thrown away, would you want someone like this managing your money? I mean, who knows where they would put it? Maybe Bitcoin. Who knows where your money may end up? Well, today we're continuing on in our series, looking at the teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, the sermon where Jesus outlines what it looks like for you and I to live the righteous life, the life that as we live it, people will look at us and know that we are truly disciples of Jesus Christ because of the way we conduct ourselves in every aspect of life. In chapter 5 in particular, Jesus captures what the discipled life looks like. And that if you and I want to be followers of Jesus Christ, these are the things that we should be thinking about, working on, wrestling with. And today in chapter 6, we're going to be looking at some verses that I think, honestly, might be the most relevant to the church in North America today, which is ultimately about what we treasure. What we ultimately treasure. What we ultimately, truly treasure value as the most important things in life. Because in North America, in our consumer and comparison-soaked culture, it is so hard for us to wrestle with the verses that Jesus is going to give to us today. And yet he gives them, and so we wrestle. Let's read uh, Matthew chapter 6, starting at verses 19, and I'm going to read through to verse 24. It's on page 1504, if you're using the Bible in the seats in front of you this morning, or you can look it up electronically as well. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19. Jesus is continuing his teaching, and he says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Then he gives us two kind of examples. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one or love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now let me just pause there for a second and say what some of you might be thinking already. And I know I've heard uh, many people teach on these verses before. Is Jesus saying here that we should not save for retirement or put some money aside to pay our property taxes or anything like that? Of course he's not saying that. Proverbs in particular is Proverbs about saving for rainy days like the ant and making sure that you take care of yourself. Is Jesus saying, as we'll look at a little bit later, that food and drink and clothing don't matter? Of course not. Jesus enjoyed meals with friends. He brought wine to the wedding. And we all know from pictures that he wore a lovely white housecoat with a beauty pageant sash across his chest. He wore clothing too. His point is this. 
they're all temporary. They're all temporary and should be a so given appropriate value because of that. They are all like used Tim Horton cups. They are all going to be going away at some point. I have done many funerals in my role as pastor and have yet to see anybody take anything with them. Everything that you and I are saving and storing and have framed that we have in a lockbox, in a safe, in a safety deposit box, in a storage locker, in our garage, in our junk drawer, and in our bank account is staying here when we die. None of it is immortal. There's no exceptions to this rule. And as Job so eloquently said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. Now, case in point, you might find yourself someday going to a museum, enjoying the exhibits about other cultures, and noticing that in some ancient cultures, when people died, they were buried with their material possessions because they actually believed, when I die and go into the afterlife, these possessions are going to go with me, and when I enter the afterlife, I will get to take them with me and enjoy them forever. And you and I are looking at them in an exhibit at a museum because they did not go into the afterlife. And as per my corny little parable at the beginning of this service, as you heard about someone storing used coffee cups, you thought, how absurd, how foolish. As we hear this story about ancient people taking artifacts and hoping that they're going to make it with them into the afterlife, we thought, I would never do that. And yet Jesus invites us as we read these scriptures together to reflect on where it is that we place value. And are we placing value on things that were never meant to give us value, never meant to give us identity, and never meant to give us happiness? Because Jesus knows this is going to be an area with which we all struggle. He says this in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Watch out, be on guard. This is a double warning. Watch out, be on guard of all kinds of greed. Life does not exist in an abundance of possessions. That's not where life, that's not where meaning, it's not where satisfaction is truly found. And yet Jesus knows, we know, Jesus knows that ever so quietly, ever so sneakily, and I know that's not a word, these things have a way of working their way into our life and convincing us that they're more valuable than they are. That if we just have a little bit more, we will be happy it will make us feel better about ourselves. It will give us some sense of value and identity that nothing else seems to be able to give us. And Jesus reminds us that if we're going to be his disciples, it means treasuring the things that he treasures. Treasuring the things that he treasures. Prioritizing the things that are his priorities. One theologian said this, the place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and that you will end up being. The place where your treasure is is the place you will most want 
to be. He then gives us two examples. He talks about eyes and he talks about masters. Now, in Jewish writing, eyes and heart are connected. Um, And so where you fix your eyes, what you're concentrating on, what you've made as the focus of your life is going to become the essence and the center of your life. Your life is going to reek of it. And where you reflect, focus your eyes reflects your loyalty, and it ultimately reveals to other people what it is that we truly love. Therefore, when we get our eyes right, when our eyes are good and we're captured by Christ in His kingdom, it affects the whole of our life, and we become radiant light and life to other people. However, if, as we're all prone to have in seasons, money and stuff become the most important thing to us, if that's the ultimate win of our life, whether it's spoken or unspoken, then it's going to be the way that we identify ourselves. It's going to be the thing that tells us we're doing okay in life. The thing that tells us whether we're successful, whether we matter, whether we're doing a good job. And it's slowly going to become the engine that just drives us day after day. It's going to become the thing that you first look at when you see others. What do they have? Do they have more than me? How did they get more than me? They shouldn't have more than me. I should have more than them. It'll be the thing you want them to see about you. I hope they notice. I hope they're checking out my Instagram. I hope they see all the things that I've worked so hard to have. And Jesus says, living this way will give us a dark and gloomy heart. It'll be impossible for us to be generous. It'll be impossible for us to be gracious to people. Fear and resentment and envy will become the lens that so subtly become the way in which we see life. As Scott McKnight says, money has a way of freezing our hands and feet and stiffening our heart, leaving us frozen, unable to act, unable to be generous. Then he talks about master. We would never say this about ourselves. It's easier to say about other people. We can say they're kind of owned by their stuff. They're owned by their money. It's so much more fun to talk about this about other people, isn't it? Than to think about it in relationship to ourselves. But as I told you the story at the very beginning about someone that would be willing to lose their family for used coffee cups, we laugh. How absurd. But I know people, and you know people, who've lost their family over careers who've lost their family over money, who've lost their family over working way too much, that money, stuff, career, success ultimately became the thing that was most important to them. And money can have no competition. If it owns your life, it has no competitors. It will get rid of all of them. Your family, it will get rid of the Lord. It's a ruthless master that will ultimately leave us with no peace. Which brings us to Jesus' next words, Matthew chapter, 25, or chapter 6, verse 25, where he talks about worry. He says this, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Any questions? Just don't do it. Don't worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink or your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? And your body more important than clothes. Look at the birds in the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet their heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And the answer to that is, of course we are. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin Yeah, that I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. 
If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow and then thrown into the fire, how much more will He clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is kind of bringing this teaching home as it relates to our money and our stuff. And he's got two kind of summary points here. The first is simply this. Jesus wants to look after you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to care for you. And he kind of gives us these examples. He talks about, you know, the tr- if the true meaning of life is really eating and drinking and what you wear, then you should worry. If that's all there is, if there's no God, if there's no future kingdom, if everything in life, your only sense of identity and purpose and meaning is to be found in what you eat, what you drink, your lifestyle, your social life, um, then you should worry because that's a lot of pressure to put on those few things. But Jesus says there is a God. There is a future kingdom. And he's here for you. He sees what you need. He cares for you. And he's going to look after you. So don't worry. Don't worry. Soren Kierkegaard once said, No torturer has any weapon greater than worry. And some of you can speak to that. You know that to be true. Jesus is saying, Worry's the great thief. You can't add an hour of day, an hour to your life by worrying. Of course you can't. You will steal hours. You'll steal days. You'll steal weeks from your life worrying about these things. Because he says, Here is Jesus, your king and provider, standing before you, inviting you into his life, and promising to provide for you. Then he gives examples. He says, Have you ever seen a seagull with hypertension? Have you ever seen a sparrow on anti-anxiety meds? Have you ever seen a blue jay comparing themselves to a cardinal and being all messed up on the inside because they're not red, they're blue instead of being red? Look at the lilies and the irises. They're not staring in the mirror all morning wondering if their, their leaves or their petals make them look skinnier. No, they don't worry. And all of them are lower creation and all of them will be gone. None of them will last into eternity. Jesus says, you're way more valuable than these things in my economy. And if I look after them, I'll look after you. If I will care for these creatures and plants, I will care for you. So do not worry. Place your trust and your hope in me. Not just as a one-time decision, but as a daily choice in the way that you organize your life. Because everybody worries at some point about their money and their stuff. Some people have way too much money and they worry about it. What am I going to do with all this money? Am I handling it well? Am I being a good steward? Some people have just enough money to meet their needs, but managing it to cover all the bases keeps them awake at nights. Some people have enough money to live on, but they worry because they compare themselves to the people that have more money than them, and they spend their whole life tying themselves up in knots. How come I can't be like them? And some people simply do not have enough money to live on. And it doesn't matter how many times you rework your budget, it doesn't work. And for those people, there's help and support and care for you through this congregation as well. Jesus reminds that he cares and that he will 
provide. The second theme from these verses is the main job for you and I as disciples of Jesus Christ is to know with clarity where life is found. It's to know with clarity where life is truly found. It's summed up in this powerful verse. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things, what you eat, what you wear, what you drink will be given to you as well. Jesus is saying here, if you're going to put the first puzzle piece on the puzzle first, get the kingdom of God right. Seek after it. Make it the priority and treasure it in your heart. And all of these other things, they'll take their rightful place as you do so. That one of the things that becomes a lifelong challenge for you and I living in this day is to keep wrestling and figuring out what does this look like in my life with my stuff and with my money. How as I read the scriptures, how as I pray, do I continue to ask the Lord to speak to me in these areas? How as I meet with other Christians, whether it's friends or whether I'm in a life group, do we have a conversation about how is it as North Americans that we live rightly with the amount of stuff and money that we have here today so that it ultimately does not become the boss of our life? Now, here's the good news. When we seek Christ's kingdom first, all these other things take on wonderful meaning. They take their rightful place in our life. We're no longer trying to make a vacation or a trip or a house or a vehicle our ultimate goal that will give us meaning and happiness forever and make all of my friends jealous. (laughs) Seeking his kingdom changes the experience of a good meal. You receive a good meal as a gift. This is God's gift to me. He knows what I need. Instead of needing to take a picture of it and post it on Instagram so everybody knows I've got a life and hopefully to make them really jealous, I can just enjoy this as a gift of God to me because God gives good gifts to his children. Seeking his kingdom changes how we experience these wonderful moments with friends and family that people are having this summer. We're reminded that God has placed us with friends and family in this world. We are not alone. He loves us. He's given us community. Seeking his kingdom changes how we view a gorgeous sunny day, a great hike, the beautiful sunset that was last night. All of these moments are signposts to his kingdom. The beauty that we experience in this moment reminds us of the kingdom of God that is coming someday, that is marked by this beauty all of the time. So we don't need to mourn it because it's going to be over soon and winter will be here. We remember our hearts ache for eternity because of the goodness of God that we see leaking into this world now through these moments. And seeking God's kingdom and seeing our stuff and our money in light of his kingdom frees us up from trying to take from money or cars or stuff or houses what it was never meant to give us and allows our heart to treasure him in his way and what he wants to do above all other things. And it's really hard to do. It's really hard to do living in this culture today where the constant bombardment of messages is that what matters most is what you have, or at least pretending you have it so others will think you have it. Now, as we conclude here today, I was thinking about sending the summer students out to collect enough used Tim Hortons coffee cups to give to all of you so you could take one home as a reminder not to chase after things that don't last.
But Pastor Sandy reminded me that this violates many employment rules and is totally unclean. So let me encourage you as I encourage myself. If we want to learn to follow Jesus in this area, it is going to mean living in direct contrast, maybe to our family, maybe to some friends of ours, maybe to our coworkers. It is going to mean making different choices and having different priorities because we seek his kingdom first and let everything else kind of fall in around it. But I think it can be a tremendous witness to our friends who might be saying, you know, I bought this new car. It was really awesome for the first three weeks and now it's just my car. And I bought this great house and it's got all these cool things and it was so fun and then, you know, like the first eight months it was great and now it's just, well, I banged in the wall and I cracked something over here and this doesn't work anymore. Now it's just a house. But if we could live with kingdom values and put his kingdom first and be a witness to others who are wanting to know, is there something more in this life? Let's pray. Lord, we know that this touches some areas in our heart that maybe we don't want to visit. Maybe it's some things that we have been thinking about and we're wondering about. We thank you for speaking so clearly to us today through these scriptures. And Lord, today may we commit to seeking your kingdom first and working at it becoming our treasure, our most valuable possession, the thing that means the most to us. And Lord, as we do, may it shine light and life through our lives and that our priorities and our values, that others will see the difference that your kingdom is making in the way we align our life. And we thank you that it will be a gracious master that will truly give us peace. And Lord, that will help us in things like worry and comparison and envy. And so, God, today we want to be free. And so we thank you for this invitation to place our trust fully in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.